Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. It's, you know, get into those dog days of camp. It's super hot outside. You got some fights going on. You got a major injury. I know we were talking about the vibes being so good and everything. Steven, how you doing? How you feeling? It's been a little bit of a rough 24 hours for all the Jet fans. I, you know, Becton basically probably being out for the entire season is such a tough pill as well. How are you feeling about this? I know this is like the probably going to dominate our conversation tonight. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, overall, I'm feeling good. Uh, obviously felt uh, felt great in the few days leading up to the green and white scrimmage. And then, uh, you know, hearing the reports and seeing um, a lot of the videos out there about how good uh, overall Zach looked uh, and really the offense looked. I think uh, we were all kind of flying high. Um, and then the news of, uh, of yesterday and today with Mekhi Becton, I mean, uh, honestly, it's a tough blow for the team. The first thing is you really just feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, clearly he, he worked his tail off uh, to get back in shape, uh, to report to camp, get off the PUP list uh, immediately. And then, um, you know, seemed to be having a, a, a semi-strong showing after maybe, you know, you call it a rough uh, first couple of days, getting back into shape, back into game shape. You know, he's vomiting on the sideline, you know, <laughs> beat reporters calling that out. But overall, I mean, you felt good about the way that it was going. You felt good uh, with him paired up on the right side with AVT. Um, so now that he's injured and potentially done for the year, which I think we're all assuming, um, I don't want to be doom and gloom. I'll give credit to guys like Brandon Tierney and, uh, and, and DFJ out there that said, you know, you can't season can't be over when your right tackle goes down on August 9th. And that, that's, the, that's, that's gotta be the truth. I mean, we can't be doom and gloom. You got to have a winner's mentality. Um, that being said, it's a really tough blow uh, to lose your right tackle um, when this has been something that you and I have talked about. It's really one of the two remaining positions where depth is a serious concern, right? It was tackle and safety. So now you're down this guy and then practice today. We can call it, you know, a good sign for the defensive line, but at the same time, you got Max Mitchell and Chuma Doga rotating or, or, you know, getting uh, time with the ones at right tackle and left tackle and the D line is just eating. And, and Zach is uh, under pressure under duress, you know, more often than not. So um, overall, I mean, it sucks, but the season can't be over on August 9th. Um, They have guys that are out there. Let's get Dwayne Brown in signed done. I think that's obviously a good sign. I think that's, hopefully moving in the right direction. Um, I think there's a case where Dwayne Brown comes in, starts at left tackle, you kick Fant back out to right tackle, and this may be a better offensive line even than what was the case uh, there with Becton. But you got to get him in. you got to get him signed. That's that's the only way out of this. Yeah, it was tough. I was very deflated when the news started kind of trickling in late last night that it was worse than they thought because Salah was like obviously very dismissive of it being serious post-practice after it all happened. So we all were kind of feeling like, oh, dodge the bullet there. Maybe he's out a couple of weeks. He misses the preseason and we get him for week one. Then you started getting the doom and gloom reports that sounding like it's worse than they initially thought. They're bracing for the worst. He's going to do more tests in the morning. Once that happened, I, I remember I tweeted this out. A lot of people were like, you know, it was like, 
just just you know take us out of our misery already just tell us he's up for the year and what do you know like you get the you get the update from rap sheet like i i want to say it was around like 11 11 30 this morning and it's just it sucked like there's no way around it we talked so many times on the show and i know all of our you know balance toj fam it feels this talked about this ad nauseum like that like the icky rumors that were happening you know it's just it sucks because Makai showed so much promise as a young player, as a rookie on a team that was so hopeless in 2020. Like we, we were all just so miserable. It's one of the, it's the worst season I've endured as a fan. I know 1995 was really bad. And I know you can remember it better than I can. I was super young at that point, but those are the two worst seasons in, in franchise history for, you know, a younger Jets fan. And he was like the one thing that I felt, you know, kind of felt Mims towards the end once he actually kind of got up to speed. But like, he was like the guy that we're like, okay, like something actually went right. It looks like we have a cornerstone left tackle. I know he missed, he missed a couple games. He was in and out of the lineup sometime mid game would come back in. I know that Thursday debacle with Denver was like super frustrating. You saw him on the sideline, you were angry. We all were just like defending him. It's just, it, it just sucks. And I, you know, that 2020 class is just not looking good. You basically have a mediocre punter, uh, I guess, a spot starter with Bryce Hall, who showed some nice things. He makes us feel comfortable, you know, if DJ Reed or Sauce were to get hurt, that he could start. And I wouldn't, like, be nervous about it because I think this defense could be improved. But, man, I wanted this to work out so bad for Bakai Becton. I... I it, it's like I don't even really know what to say anymore because like I, I fully expected he would miss some games just because he's just a big man and mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of movement it's a lot of like just weird cuts with his feet and I just figured something would happen maybe he plays 13 out of 17 okay like I can live with that because at least you're getting him for the majority of the season you're you're hoping that he actually performs well at right tackle which he did play in college but it just sucks but I'm going to, I'm going to get off the doom and gloom because I was very deflated. Chelsea was looking at me last night. She's like thinking like something like really bad happened. And I'm just like, no, I'm just like, the vibes have been so high. I knew something was going to happen. Like it happens every year. There's always guys who you expect to, to be a starter and a contributor that get hurt. So I'm going to move to the positives and I'm going to pass back to you. And we can eventually talk about things, not Makai, because I feel like we've all talked about that nauseam. Like you said, if your right tackle is going out for the season on, in August and you're, you consider your season over, you're a lo- that's a loose mentality. That's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. It's a next man up league. Every team, every team is in every single team. They lose players. The coaching staff needs to find a way to figure this out. I don't care what they do, whether it's signing Dwayne Brown, which is what they need to do like yesterday. I don't know how it hasn't been done yet. I think it will happen before the end of the week, probably before the preseason game or maybe right after the preseason game. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they just, they got to just do something. There's going to be guys who are let loose, whether it's a, you know, a younger player, but maybe Max Mitchell is the answer here. I don't, I really don't know. I, I just think that there, this can be fixed. I know Morgan Moses isn't there to save the day, which sucks, but you know what? He was not a backup attack. He's a starter. There's a reason why the Ravens gave him a three-year, $15 million contract because he's a very serviceable right tackle and he has been his whole career. So I know the Joe Barrow like had a terrible offensive line thing has been floating around on Jets Twitter. I saw Samini tweet about it. I know Will was talking about it in spaces because I hopped in for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson is not Joe Burrow, at least yet. Like he's not. And if he turns into that, amazing. 
And I'm going to be so happy. It's like, who needs an offensive line when your quarterback <laughs> can just be amazing? And, and Zach does have obviously the wheels to be able to move around stuff, but I want him to play within structure because the best quarterbacks in the league, obviously they can do things that other guys can't, which Zach has the ability to do, but he needs to execute in the pocket. And then mm-hmm. those other things can come. So yeah. I, I just went on a long rant. <laughs> so I, I had a lot on my mind. I've been thinking yeah. about this all week. <laughs> I, I have a couple things. Uh, first of all, you're hundred percent right on everything. I think the, the focus on Zach is, is obvious and warranted in regards to what this means for him uh, because not being able to pr- protect your second year quarterback it, it is obviously a problem. And this is, primarily about him and his growth and his development. And, you know, he can say he's one of 11, you know, having to just do his job. But in reality, we all know that one out of 11 just weighs a hell of a lot more than the other 10 guys. Mm-hmm. Having said that, this also has implications and an impact on the running game, which yes. I think anybody uh, that's a Jets fan will say that the Jets are going to be run heavy this year, specifically with guys like Brees Hall and Michael Carter, who are both uh, continuing to impress uh, and then even more specifically on the right side with guys like Beckton and AVT, kind of the Bash brothers over there on that side and losing a guy like Makai definitely hurts that. Um, the other thing is that even though you, even if you sign Dwayne Brown, kick him out to left tackle, move Fant over to right, depth is still a concern. Dwayne Brown's going to be 37 years old. Fant has been nicked up. He played a healthy season uh, all last year up until the end, but he's clearly not fully healthy now and is what 30 years old now and has been dinged up throughout his career. So depth will still be a concern even after they sign Dwayne Brown, if they do. Um, the third thing that I think we, we should address is really kind of, there was some Twitter discourse. I know there was a TOJ Slack discourse just on the thoughts on this medical staff and really what the thought process was behind this Makai being, you know, back so soon uh, playing fully, you know, what really was the plan? Obviously now hindsight being 2020, we can all kind of look back on that with a, um, you know, 10,000 foot view and say, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have done it. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. You have to trust the medical staff. However, I will say with the way that the last few seasons have gone from the, the Gase era till now, it's kind of hard to give them the benefit of the doubt to say, you know what, they were doing the right thing. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in those meetings. I have no idea, but just from my, you know, typical fan point of view, seems like maybe they should have taken a little more precaution than what they did. Um, It's over now it's done. There's not, there's nothing you can do. He's hurt. Um, At the same time, you kind of wonder what that process should have looked like now that they know what they do. Yeah. And I know we always were wondering, I remember like the last year, Gates 2020, like, why is everyone on this team getting hurt? I remember every wide receiver got hurt in training camp. It was like ridiculous. But at the end of the day, this is football. Like guys get hurt and you, it's just the way it is. And it does seem like it always happens more to the jets, but we're not following other teams as closely. Like you, if you, if you go on, you know, I can still call it Roto world or NBC sports edge or whatever it is now you go through like the blurbs, always guys getting nicked up everywhere. So like, it sucks. And I know that we had all this discourse today about like whose fault is it? Is it Beckton? Is it the medical staff for me, like letting him practice? I mean, at the end of the day, everyone was kind of shaming this guy. And I, I get it. They were, you know, frustrated. He didn't play last year. He played what mm-hmm. two quarters last year. And then he obviously missed time as a rookie. And there was questions about his conditioning, which were valid based on everything you heard. I mean, there was rumors about Icky Aquino, like I said before, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, he 
may have been trying to just tough it out because I know our, our good friend Greg Armstrong of Badlands Family was at practice and said during warmups he just didn't look right. And he probably in the back of his mind is like, I'm tired of everyone telling me I'm soft. I want to like fight through it. But at the end of the day, it's training camp. Like you got to like, just be as precautious as possible. And that's like, like what I'm thinking about with this preseason game coming up, because Salah said the other day that the team, the first team offense and defense are probably going to play a quarter. I would strongly advise against that especially what from what we heard with this defensive line tearing up the offensive line today and Zach would have been sacked eight times or whatever would have been maybe maybe it wasn't Zach but like with Flacco and White as mm-hmm. well I'm terrified to see what's going to happen at right tackle in that game like it's the unfortunate truth that we are in a situation where it's dangerous it's a dangerous game I know that this is that whoever's going to be playing right tackle on Thursday night is not going to be the right tackle when they have the Ravens in town on 9-11. But, you know, that's the solution right now. And I just don't want the quarterback to get hurt. I don't want another instance where it's like, oh, my God, we have to make more excuses. We don't know what this quarterback is because he missed time. And we've been been saying this over and over. It's like, I want to see the quarterback play all the games. And if maybe he doesn't play week 17 because they clinch a playoff spot and they could rest the guys, it's like (laughs) – can you imagine? Oh, uh, my God. It's, <laughs> it would be, you know, that for, yeah. I know that's, that's, a, that's obviously me being overly optimistic. But the point is, is that I just don't want the quarterback getting hurt. I know <laughs> other guys are going to get hurt, but the season's going nowhere if Joe Flacco's starting games, unfortunately. <laughs> I know he showed a little juice last year, but it's that nothing's happening of substance with this team if Joe Flacco's the quarterback. Um I feel like this this topic is just yeah. I mean, a- let me let me be clear that I'm not questioning the Jets medical staff. I'm saying from an objective standpoint, it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. I have to imagine that they wouldn't do anything to put Makai or the team in jeopardy with having him out there being a full participant in practice. Um, <clears throat> so whatever happened today, you know, it happened. It's obviously done. Um, and you're right. I mean, football, it's a rough sport. Teams go through injuries every year. And honestly, we said it to, to kick off the show. If your right tackle going down on August 9th is the end of your season, then clearly you weren't going to win anything uh, regardless. So it's time for Joe Douglas to, to dig in, uh, do his work. Dwayne Brown's out there ready to be signed. I think he probably needs another piece as well, even if he gets Dwayne Brown, because again, two guys. Ex- I exactly. There. I think there's guys out there to be had. Uh, and I think our friend uh, Will Parkinson tweeted it out that if they just get uh, you know, marginal to good starter uh, on the right side, then I think this line will be fine. And um, I happen to think he's right. I agree with him. I think this team is, uh, it's built. I don't think they're, um, you know, I don't think they're, uh, Makai going down makes them drastically worse. Um, but if they get a guy that is a, you know, service level starter, they'll be okay. And I think you'll see Zach succeed. You'll see this offense do a hell of a lot better than they did in 21. I agree. I, and I said this earlier today to the, to the whole squad. I was like, I think the interior has the potential to be really good, which is going to help the run game. It's going to help Zach and it's going to make him function a lot better within the structure of the offense. I, I know that a lot of Jeff fans have been souring on Connor, Connor McGovern, which I understandably get it. He's been average at best, but I do think he got better as the season got along, especially when they put LDT next to him. Now he has Lakin and he has AVT next to him. He's going to be better. Like that is like a known thing. I know Damian Woody always says like, 
if a marginal or average player in the offensive line is surrounded by really good players, it, it makes them feel more comfortable and it allows them their, their play to elevate. I truly mm-hmm. believe that. I think that McGovern's going to have a good year. Mm-hmm. I know like, you're like, why, why do you think that? But at the end of the day, they could get rid of him next year if they yeah. wanted to. So and I, I, I do think, like you said, one guy is not going to make this offensive line mm-hmm. that much worse. There's a lot of talent on it. You know, if fan could play like he did last year and stay healthy, I feel really good about this line. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, let's be real. It's hard to get five really good to great starters on an offensive line. Yeah. Right? Like the 9 10, 8 to 10 Jets O-line isn't walking through that door. It's really hard to get five good to great starters on that, uh, on that unit. But exactly what you said, what Damian Woody says is you get guys that are good around guys that are average and that elevates their play. And I think you're absolutely right that with guys like AVT with now a year under his belt, uh, pro bowl, uh, all pro guard, I believe uh, Tomlinson uh, on the other side of him, that's going to elevate Connor McGovern's play. Hopefully Fant can come in, uh, pick up where he left off last season and be the, uh, the left tackle or right tackle that, uh, that he showed. And you get another piece on the, you know, on the other side. And it's a, it's a, I think a, a above average offensive line. And that's all you can ask for, for a second year QB and hopefully a powerful running game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like this is yeah. – I can't talk about this anymore. So I want, to talk, <laughs> I want to talk about the game on Thursday. I Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch it. We'll be at, a, at the Mets game, um, which I'm sure you're happy about as you were a Mets That's, fan. I am not. <laughs> um, it is uh, – I'm going with, uh, you know, Chelsea and my sister and her boyfriend. But I will be DVRing it, and I will be watching it uh, probably when I get home or the next morning or whatever it's going to be. But I'm curious, what are you looking to see besides the quarterback not getting hurt and obviously not losing any major starters. What are you looking to see when you watch this game? Like, what's like one thing that's the important to you? I'm sure like you could say Zach Wilson looking sharp and crisp, but besides that, what's something you're looking to see from this your first preseason game? Uh, yeah, I'll give you one for each side of the ball. So outside of Zach Wilson, obviously we're looking to see command of the offense. I yes. wasn't at the green and white scrimmage, but everything I've heard, everything I've read, the videos I've seen was that he showed that. Um, that he was sharp, led the team down the field for some points. Um, really what I'm looking forward to seeing is Bryce, uh, I'm sorry, Brees Hall with some pop. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to see him break a 10 yard run, uh, maybe show some power, show some speed, um, get him involved early in offense, see kind of how this running game looks, um, you know, specifically on the back of Brees Hall. Uh, the other thing that I want to see on the defensive side is how this D line looks and how they get after it. Cause, uh, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that's the one, you know, slight positive you can take out of all this, whether it was Becton, you know, Becton being uh, hurt or not. Uh, the fact that the D-line is looking good, the fact that some of the young guys, um, you know, Jacob Martin, some of the new guys, I should say, Jacob Martin and uh, and uh, Jermaine Johnson getting after it. I want to see kind of how this D-line performs, because really uh, we know everything about Salah and Ulbricht's system is how that D-line gets off and puts pressure on the quarterback. I think the Jets are improved in really every level of the defense. So if that D-line can improve, um, I think that means a hell of a lot for uh, the guy, the improved secondary and the guys in the back end. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. I agree with you. Brace is definitely something I'm looking to see. Um, I'm also looking to see, you know, how the other rooks look. Okay. I want to see what sauce does. I want to see what Garrett Wilson does. 
Uh, interesting thing that Zach said about Garrett Wilson today on Boomer and Geo was that he obviously has all the athleticism in the world and so much talent, but he's still swimming. But like, I want to see how he looks. I want to see like, you know, those high pointing balls. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be like showing that much. I know like in the first preseason game, it's super vanilla. They're not going to be like, you know, throwing out the bag. We're probably not going to see the, the trick plays that will love to do at the end of last season. But I really want to see what Garrett Wilson could do, you know, in, in real, in real life action on the defensive side, besides sauce, I want to see, you know, how Quan looks. He's gotten really good reviews since they brought him in. Like they said, like the first day that they put him in, he was, he was making plays. And mm-hmm. that is super important because we've been talking about how thin the Jets are at linebacker besides CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams. If you have three legitimate guys, like that makes a huge difference for this defense because that was an area that we were a little bit concerned about if someone gets hurt. And now that they potentially have, you know, an average or maybe even above average starter, if he can stay healthy and Quan. I'm interested to see how he performs in this first, mm-hmm. you know, action as a Jet. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go two more just to keep it going. But uh, <laughs> the other one is is Conklin. Man, I mm. I'm on the I'm on the Joe Caparoso train. He didn't me have too. to convince me. I was on it from the start. I really, I mean, every day you're reading about how many more targets he's getting, how many more catches he's making, what a red zone threat that he is, uh, what a security blanket he is for Zach. So I am pumped about Tyler Conklin. The other thing that I'm pleasantly surprised about, I think, and I tweeted this out the other night, but um, if you're following Connor Hughes, I feel like every day we're getting some positive news about Nasruddin, like picking off Flacco, almost picking off Flacco, uh, mm-hmm. making plays out there. So I think he could be a pleasant surprise and depth piece uh, slash rotational piece at that linebacker core that you just spoke about. So, you know, those two guys, Nasruddin and Sherwood, are guys that we had high hopes for uh, last year. It was obviously going to be tough to convert from safety, but I think those could be kind of under-the-radar things that end up being, you know, nice quality rotational guys in this defense that under Solomon Ulbricht's scheme could end up kind of, you know, you know, coming up our way. So um, I'm excited to see kind of how they perform specifically natural Dean, because I feel like he's just been been making plays uh, practice in practice out. Yeah, those are good ones. I definitely want to talk about Conklin because I'm so excited to watch him. And I just love the idea. Like he's a heat conk, like being the nickname, yeah. like when he makes the play. I know that in the green and white scrimmage, when Brees got the ball, they did a Brees chant. You need to make sure everyone's doing that. I know that everyone keeps saying that, like, I've always wanted us to have a guy like that. Like I remember when the Ravens had Todd Heath, they'd be like, he like, I want something like that. So I'm super excited about that. But going back to Conklin, it's funny how like he was a very pleasant surprise for the Vikings last year. Cause obviously Irv Smith got hurt in the preseason. Joe Douglas somehow got that fourth round that or her which was crazy. Herndon, I think caught one catch for one yard for one touchdown all yes. season. And Conklin ended up being a solid guy, and they let him go. I get it. They can't pay everybody, especially with Kirk Cousins making big money and having to pay Justin Jefferson. But I think Conklin's really going to be, like, a legitimate starting tight end, and, like, he might even be fantasy viable. I was looking at the ringers, like, fantasy football rankings. He wasn't even in their tight end rankings, and I'm like, I get it. There's a lot of question marks with the quarterback, so people are like, I don't know if I could trust guys in the Jets' offense minus, like, Elijah Moore and Brees Hall and, I guess, Garrett Wilson because you you want him as a keeper. Mm -hmm. But why not Conklin? Like, he has clearly been one of the most impressive players in camp. I mean, everyone said it's every day he's doing things. Him and Quinn Williams have really been the two guys that all the beat consistently says are doing things every single day. I'm so excited. It's like we haven't had that tight end play since – ASJ, if you want to go there, <laughs> I guess a flash of Herndon against the Packers when he had that crazy ha- catch when he yeah. like, got hit in midair. But like, yep. 
it's it's going to be fun. And obviously, I like Uzama too. I was super pumped when they first signed him because he was the first tight end sign that they made in the offseason. But I'm also excited to see Rucker. He actually yeah. practiced today. He was in team drills. I know he had his first catch of the summer. Yep. He's going to get a lot of playing time. So it's going to be interesting to see what he could do in the preseason. He'll probably play more in preseasons, uh, the second and third preseason game. Yep. Definitely the third preseason game, because I don't think any starters will be playing against the Giants, which yep. obviously we don't want to see that. But yeah, I'm just super excited that we might have three viable tight ends in this offense. Which it's, is it's honestly, dude, it's starting yeah, it it's really exciting. And like you think back on it, like, that 2009, 2010 Jets team was with Mark Sanchez, right? It, it's such a different team. It was so defense oriented, run game oriented, but think back to what Dustin Keller really meant for Mark Sanchez. And he was a security blanket. And Dustin Keller was a nice, solid receiving option for him. I pulled up the stats. So 2009, he had 45 for 522 and two touchdowns and 2010 had 55 for 687 and five touchdowns. And that was in an offense that was obviously run heavy. You had Braylon Edwards, Santonio Holmes, you know, at least for 2010, Jericho Cotri. I mean, this, these, those are weapons. So now you have the potential to have, let's say two Dustin Kellers as your one and two, right? I think Conklin's probably better than Dustin Keller. Let's say CG Uzama is a Dustin Keller. That is, I mean, but seriously, that is incredible. Knowing what we came from to where we're at now, where you got guys like Conklin and Uzama, your third, you know, let's say our third target, uh, third best target at receiver is Corey Davis behind Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. That's awesome. And then Barrios there at number four, like that, I think we should feel good about this. And then you got two solid running backs. I mean, if this line can hold even up, three, like if Coleman's the third running back, or maybe and, Zonovan Knight ends up being exactly. third back, like I feel good about it. Like if Reese got nicked up for a day, we know Carter can do things. Agreed. Like it's yes, that's like the one thing. It's like this, and the scheme is built for multiple running backs to use anyway. Like I know Brace is going to be the bell cow, but. Carter's going to play a lot on third down. Like he's yeah. going to be the guy they try to do, you know, a lot of short screen passes and maybe have some, you know, halfback wheels and stuff like that. But yeah, I, it's, it, it's really exciting. It's, it's just, it's awesome to think about as a Jets fan, we've been clamoring for offense for so long and they still have games to play. I get all that, but I think the safe money is on Elijah Moore leading this team in targets from a passing standpoint. Right. But knowing that you got guys like Conklin, Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis all probably battling it out for two, three, and four targets. That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. It's something that we haven't had in a very, very long time. So it's exciting to see what this offense can do specifically with those weapons and with Mike, or I'm, yeah, Mike LaFleur calling plays. Sorry. almost. I'm going to make my bold take about this offense. Elijah Moore is going to make the pro bowl. If he stays healthy. Oh, love it. I, I truly think he's going to get 1200 yards. He's going to flirt with maybe double-digit touchdowns, including rushing, because I think they will try to use him in those packages that Berrios was used in as well, because they they did that before he got hurt. I really think this guy's going to be a star. We like he was. I think it was like a six-week stretch where he was one of the best receivers in the NFL with like Flacco Flacco. and Mike White. Yeah, Yeah. he was unbelievable, and he was just like hitting his stride, and then he got hurt, and then he got COVID, and it just it sucked. Yep. But I'm I'm really excited just to see how him and Zach can grow together because it just felt like they weren't on the same page in the early part of the season. And then he got and then Zach got hurt and then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And we just never really got, you know, that connection. I know they, they I think they connect on their first touchdown in the Eagle game last year, which was awesome because you're like, this is the future. This is the future. Um, but I really do believe that Elijah is going to be, you know, 
one of the best receivers in the NFL this year. I, 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 I know people are going to laugh and people are going to make fun of this take because it's the Jets and it's like, LOL, Jets, I get it, whatever. But when you just watch that guy, he's just different. He makes a play every day. Mm-hmm. They don't even like say he's a star of camp because it's like, it's like known. Like yeah. they, everyone knows that he does something. Like whenever they post like those videos, he's always making plays. It's crazy. And you know, you, we saw it firsthand <laughs> at that practice. So. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I, uh, I, I think on Twitter, everyone can get kind of, you know, smoke blown up their ass, whatever. But I take stock in guys like AJ Brown saying that Elijah Moore is better than me. I take stock in guys like Chad Johnson saying, Elijah Moore is the real deal. Like you better watch out for this kid. And Zach Wilson's the real deal. You better watch out for him. Like that stuff means something to me. So I think I love that you're doubling down on it, man. I, I love I it. I think absolutely 1200 total yards in this offense, knowing the way that LaFleur could use them um, kind of as a Swiss army knife. And it's one of those things where you just watch and you just know it, right? He's just so smooth in and out of his breaks. He's effortlessly fast. He makes all the catches. He plays bigger than his size. Everything about this kid, we are damn lucky we got him in the second round, man. And I can't wait to watch him in year two. I I agree with that. I think he's gonna be special. He would have he would have been like people were saying because of like the, the like it, this draft wasn't that good in 2022. He would have been like a top 15 pick. Yeah. And last year, obviously, you had guys like you know Jamar Chase, who I think is going to be the best receiver of the NFL by the end mm-hmm. of the season. I think that guy's incredible. You had guys like Jalen Waddle, you had Devontae Smith, and then obviously I think there were some guys who went later in the first round, but it's I, I, he's really, really good. I mean, Kadarius Tony, I think, is a nice player as well. But I know a lot of Giants fans that wish they could have had Elijah you're, in that spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're kind of banking on potential with Kadarius Tony, and he may end up being awesome and, and proving me wrong. But I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. But if you look objectively at Elijah Moore and Kadarius Tony, I think 10 out of 10 times you're taking Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, I right? think Tony has a lot of talent. But yeah, I think Elijah showed you more. He was healthier yes. for the most part. And he was doing it with, you know, at mediocre quarterback play. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco, I know, had some moments, and I guess Mike White had some moments. But, yeah, I definitely think that Elijah is going to really assert himself as the, the number one weapon in this offense this year. I think we're going to feel amazing about him, assuming he stays healthy going into 2023. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hope is that the quarterback obviously takes off as well. And then you're just feeling good about this, you know, Wilson to more combo for years to come. And I, I do really believe that Elijah is that good. Yeah. So let's, let's pivot to that. You just mentioned you, you hope that your, your two quarterback takes the leap. I mean, aside from us getting kind of the wind taken out of our sails with the Becton news, but leading up to this and up to the green and white scrimmage, obviously on Saturday night, Zach uh, was really impressing. So what, what are your thoughts just on Zach overall, the way that he's progressed through camp and how are you feeling uh, entering into this preseason game come Friday? Um, I feel good, optimistic, but I'm not like overly high because it doesn't matter until the games actually mean something in September. But what I will say is that the offensive line was terrible today, but the beat said that Zach was actually good. Like when he had opportunities to make plays, he did it. He was really good the other day. I know he was really good on his birthday. And during the scrimmage, you know, he was very crisp. That's all I need. I don't, he doesn't need to be this season to be a Patrick Mahomes. I don't expect that. I don't think it's a realistic thought. If he is, you know, solid, like just solid, you know, he's throwing close over 20 touchdowns, like close to 25. He's throwing 10 to 12 interceptions. You know, he's getting close to 4,000 yards. He's completing 65% of his passes. And obviously has a few rushing touchdowns. That's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's he's so young. He's 20, he just turned 23 last week. 
He's go. It's going to take time. I don't expect him to light the world on fire. If he does, you know, that's amazing. But I just want to see progress, incremental growth, and I want him to play within the offense, not relying on the hero ball. You know, it's great when he does those things he was doing against the Titans, but it's not sustainable if you're not executing the things that LaFleur wants you to do in structure. So I really want him to play in structure. And it sounds like he's doing all those things. It, it sounds like he's just been good. The key is he hasn't been like, there hasn't been like these negative reports about him. And that's, I think that's all you need to know. He's, he's just doing what he needs to do. And yeah. I think over time he's going to grow. And I think just he has the arm talent. He has the athleticism. The one thing I do want to see, and I've heard other people say this, I want more design runs for him. I, I know he, people are like, he's not big enough to do, to take those hits. He bulked up like 10 pounds. Like I think he can do that. And he's fast. Like I want to see more design runs for him, RPOs, but even just a play where it's like a draw where it's like he drops back and just goes. Yep. What about you? What are you thinking so far about Zach? I mean, I think, yeah, it's all positive, which is really good. I, I think it's under the radar positive. So it's not like, I want it that way. yeah, exactly. It's not like anyone's saying coming out and saying he's, he's going to light the world on fire, but um, it's been progressively better since the start of camp. And I think you're hundred percent right. Knowing that the line kind of looked the way that it did, but he still uh, found a way to shine at least a little bit. I think it's a great sign when I think back on it and all we can do really is compare to, to what we know as Jets fans, but you look at the way some of the rookie quarterbacks came in and, and what they had, um, you know, Sanchez with uh, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, obviously top five defense uh, in the league, uh, top five running game in the league. I mean, he was set up for success, but really for the offense, not really for a passer. And then you kind of saw the wheels fall off, obviously, after 2011, in which Sanchez had a good year. You pivot to Geno Smith, um, never was really, you know, going to happen, had a, uh, a good, you know, I'd say rookie year. But I want to say even, his... I wouldn't even say it was good, and I'm a, decent, I'm a, I'm a Geno guy. Yeah, surprisingly decent we'll say eight and eight it was a roller coaster I mean there were the record the record was better than the play let's just say that he had I mean I remember the Atlanta game Monday night where he I mean he was the reason we won and think of the guys he was throwing to too like David Nelson um who's uh who's number Jeff Cumberland I think T.O.J. Yeah, DOJ favorite, Jeff Cumberland. Then you pivot to Sam, uh, you know, second year, Gase comes in with Dowell Loggins, the, the lack of talent. So when you really look at it, like Zach is set up the best of the last four Jets quarterbacks. Since really, Sanchez. Since right? Sanchez. To succeed. But even, I mean, wouldn't you even say it's better than Sanchez just because of the offensive staff and really the uh, the weapons that he truly has around him? I mean, the offensive line is worse, but take a look at the weapons in general. I mean, it's it's close, right? Um. I would say I'll, it depends on what you're saying. Are you saying like as a rookie, passer, as a second, pure quarterback passer? His, I think his his weapons from top to bottom are better. Mm-hmm. But that defense was like the best yeah. defense in 2009. Justin was the best defense in the NFL. So yeah. the Jets don't have the best defense in the NFL. Like it, it could be, you know, a top, you know, above average unit. Sure. If it, if everything works out, which hopefully it does, but it's not that defense. So I will say, in order to win games. Sanchez was set up better overall, but yes, I think. But as a passer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, so they've done a really, really nice job here with uh, what they've given Zach year two in the LaFleur slash Shanahan system. Um, And I think he's set up really nicely. And I think this is what we're hearing out of camp is exactly what we want to hear progression every day, command of the offense, leading the team down the field for scores 
hitting all the targets. You keep hearing that he's spreading the ball around like crazy. He's, you know, how many times he thrown like two or less incompletions throughout a whole practice. Like this is the stuff that you want to see. So I am pumping the brakes on my like out of body excitement, man, but this, this is good. And I'm excited. And I think it's, uh, it's teeing up for a, a very good year for Zach. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it doesn't mean anything just yet. We'll see what happens, but Ultimately, I just want the preseason to be entertaining at this point and, mm-hmm. and la- minimal injuries to significant yeah. players. That's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was a tough day, but, you know, any closing thoughts, Stephen, as we head into the first preseason game? No, just, uh, I mean, you want to stay healthy the rest of camp. That's really it. You know, last year we had our one deflating injury. That was Carl Lawson coming out of that uh, Packers joint practice this year. We got this one out of the way. Unfortunately, it's Becton, uh, which is at a position of um, where there's lack of depth, um, which stinks. But let's get Dwayne Brown in here. Let's stay healthy the remainder of the preseason. Just get us to Baltimore uh, week one at MetLife. And let's have some fun this year, man. I think it's going to be a fun, exciting team. And I think we're going to surprise some people. I agree with you. I just want to be a competitive team. I want to get some wins. And I just want to see everything growing to, to a, like a bright future. Mm-hmm. Um it's just, it's, it's just been so long since we've had that competitive football and I, that's all I really need at this point. Um, uh, we do appreciate everybody who is, you know, subscribed to this new feed. And if you have not subscribed, please do, you know, turn on the jets live on Apple or Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube page. We really appreciate all the support that we had. And uh, if you haven't heard, we are doing a bad lens uh, watch party for the Falcons game on 824. It'll be at Ale House in Hoboken. There will be free pizza from 10th Street Pizza, which is very good. I will, I, I do approve. And also there'll be drink specials as well. So come hang out with some TOJ people, Connor, Joe, the Profit Exchange people, which you'll learn more about the, the big sponsor we have. And, you know, we appreciate all the support from everybody and you'll hear from us next week.